0: Uh, Shall we seek a blessing one more time? Uh, Heavenly Father, with um, uh, complete uh, transparency, I come to you as a needy, poor sinner with a heart's desire to bless your people. I cannot do it apart from your Holy Spirit's help. And so... I ask for it, not only for me, but for all who hear you through these uh, weak and feeble words. May your power be indeed, be true to your word, make your power perfected in weakness. In Jesus' name, I pray. We pray together. Amen. Amen. Has anybody ever told you? I think they have. I think someone has told everyone here at least one time in your life that you were good at something. And you didn't know it. Uh, They surprised you by saying, uh, uh, hey, you are really good at that. Did you know that no, no that's the first time wow i I'd never had that thought maybe it's um it's something uh that you do that uh it's relational maybe uh you say something very well or maybe it's 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 academic, maybe you have some academic prowess in a certain area and and they tell you that. Maybe you're a crafty person. Maybe you're artistic. Maybe you have a a sense of aesthetics. Maybe you're gifted musically. But but somewhere, sometime, I'm confident, unless I'm mistaken, I'm confident that what I'm saying is true for every single person here. Somewhere along the line, it may not have been a grand thing, but you're thinking of something right now. You're thinking of when somebody told you that you swing a hammer pretty well, or that you can really hit that ball, or that you, you're fast, or something. And when they told you that, whatever it was, when they told you that, you were encouraged. You might have been humbled by it. You might have doubted it. But because they told you, you got to thinking about it. And then um, the more you thought about it, the more you, you sought after it, you incorporated um, that behavior or that area of expertise, whatever it was, you began to cultivate it in, in, in your own life. I hope you agree with me because I can think of things like that and I'm sure all of you can too. Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. And this may not be the first time anybody told you this. It may be. But I want to tell you, I want to tell all of you something. All of you who are Christians, and even if you're not a Christian, you, you still have some of this. But mostly for Christians, you all, you all have a power in your life. You have a powerful force in your life. That you may not be exercising, and I may be the first person to tell you that. I hope I'm not. But you are able, whether you know it or not, every single Christian in this room is able to be a blessing to somebody else through a certain power, a power that you have. And all of you have it. It's not a special gift. All of you have it, and what I think is that if I tell you what it is, and if I develop it, maybe you'll, you, you'll say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad he told me that, because I'd like, to, I'd like to do that. I'm encouraged to do something by what Pastor Keith said that I have. And, and it's no splendid thing, at least not at the outset. I'm not going to blow you away. With what I think you have, what I know you have, it's something that's in that bucket, that bucket that Pastor Mark's uh, splendid sermon this morning, Uh, I, I, I hope it's unforgettable. One brother told me that I could hear that every Sunday over and over again, and it would be helpful to me. And it was not a young man that told me that, he could be my dad. And I agreed. That was, that was fine. But, but in this bucket, you've got the bucket with these seeds in it too. What am I talking about? Don't be held in great suspense. I am talking about the power that you have to be sympathetic, to show sympathy. And what I want to do, what I want to do tonight, in a very practical and even devotional way, I want to define it. I want to illustrate it in the life of Jesus. I want to see what Paul says about it. And then I want to come back to Jesus. And then I want to make a family, an HBC family application concerning the power, the power that you have. Because you got it. You just may not know it. And because you don't know it as well as you need to know it, you have not been exercising it as you might have exercised it. But I hope that you will yet exercise it. First, the definition, uh, the definition, uh, the most popular definition in the world, the top definition on the Internet, the whole world of English definitions. Here's the top one. It's in seven parts. I'm only going to use parts of it, so, so, so don't be disappointed. As a noun, sympathy is number one. Harmony of or agreement in feeling as between two persons or on the part of one person with respect to another. Harmony of or agreement in feeling as between two persons on the part of one person with respect to another. Another definition, there are eight parts to this definition. We're only going to use a couple of them. The fact or power of sharing the feelings of another, especially in in sorrow or trouble, fellow feeling, compassion or commiseration. That's what sympathy is. I will I will save the other two for later. If if you want to notice John chapter eleven, we'll immediately go to an illustration of of, of sympathy in in the life of jesus and and it's an unlikely one it's a mysterious one but it, it is one that's very familiar to you it is the occasion uh, where jesus wept you know the story well enough uh you you know that a report came to him that he whom jesus loved was sick and Jesus did not immediately go, but he tarried two more days. And then he came. And, and in, in verse 33, let's start with verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Well, let's come right to the point then. Why? Why did Jesus weep? Why did he weep? Why so troubled? Why? Why does it say? That he was moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Why does it say that he wept? When he, why didn't he have the joyful confidence of what he was all about and what he was going to do? Didn't Jesus know that for the glory of his father that, that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Didn't he know that? Why did he weep then? Why was he deeply troubled? Well, he was deeply troubled because he had compassion. He was sympathetic. He had compassion for all those who did not know what he was going to do, who, who were also weeping, who were also broken, who, who were his dear friends, who were his dear relatives, that he was overcome with his own sadness because he so related to those who had suffered this loss. Perhaps he wept also because he saw the calamity and the destruction that sin brings to one whom he loved. They were able to say the one whom you love is sick. And then when he wept, he wept so profusely that those around said, How he loved him. But but he was sad he wept because he saw what what terrible damage sin has done, and the plight that man is in, that nobody gets out of here alive. And the two exceptions that did only prove the rule. Everybody has to die. Everybody's on the same train going at the same rate, not in the same car, but we're all going at the same rate, every single one of you. And he saw that. But even knowing what he was going to do, what... What was the, Here's what comes home to me. He simply entered in. He entered into the moment that he found himself in. This was a sorrowful moment. This was a moment of loss. This was a moment of pain and suffering. And he simply entered in. Behold the Savior. Behold your sympathetic Savior. Behold a Savior whose heart can break. Be, behold a Savior who, who who is so much man... That he seems not to be God. He is so much God that he seems not to be man. He's both of those things completely and 100% and inseparably. That's why he can be your Savior. That's why he he can make that connection between God and man, because that's who he is. But you look at the Apostle Paul, then. Uh, What he says, you don't have to turn there. These are very familiar passages. If you want to uh, feel free... He actually answers the the definition number seven. That's the most popular definition, I think, in the world. Psychologically, sympathy is a relationship between persons in which the condition of one induces a parallel or reciprocal condition in another. That's also sympathy. It's a, it's a psychological thing. Paul says without this definition, in Romans twelve fifteen, he simply says rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Share the same feelings. Share the same joy. Share the same tears. That's what he says sympathy is. That's how he defines it practically. We don't know which is harder to do. Is it harder to weep with somebody who weeps? Or is it harder to rejoice with someone who rejoices? I, I let you be the judge of that. Because sometimes out of, out of jealousy and, 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 and out of self-pity, we, we have trouble rejoicing with someone who got a blessing that we didn't get. And at and at the same time through unfeeling and, and also through selfishness and self interest, we don't enter into other people's sorrows. Um I'm I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the ringleader who's standing right up here. I don't have anybody in mind. I just I just told you what's in my heart sometimes. But it, it may very well be in yours as well. How about Physiologically, this is the last definition that I'm going to use tonight. This is number eight. Sympathy, physiologically, is the relation between parts or organs whereby a condition of disorder of one part induces some effect in another. That is a medical fact. What does Paul say then, not knowing this, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, he says, But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. In the ideal body, there is this sympathy between the organs of the body. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That is the ideal sympathy. Physiologically speaking, psychologically speaking, relationally speaking, emotionally speaking, we've seen a full definition. I want to quote somebody right now. I want to. Not really quite so famous, but, but a dear brother. This brother uh, says, uh, to, to the degree that a person is attached or connected to another person, it is to that degree that the person is broken or suffers at the loss or affliction of the other. You could add to that definition, to the, to the, the degree of connectivity of one person to another, they share the joy and the rejoicing of, of another person. He says, "Little loss equals little connection." That's Jason McFetridge who said that. He said to me last night, "It rang true to my heart." It doesn't have to come from somebody really famous. God, God has His servants everywhere. He gave me an illustration too, and I didn't even see this movie. He said a good way to illustrate this this idea uh, comes from the salt and pepper and pepper illustration that's taken from the movie Fireproof. If you saw the movie, you you know what I'm talking about, even though I don't. Apparently, the the two glass salt and pepper shakers were glued together with some kind of glue that they could not be separated and every time uh you shook them because they were impossible to to be separated without breaking them uh you always got both you always got an equal portion of the two things that is if the holes were the same opening at the top whatever <laughs> i'm i'm too analytical but the illustration is to show that two things go together the compassion that you feel for someone The love that you have for for someone, the greater pain you will experience when they experience pain. Uh, uh, Well, what did Paul say then? How did he value it? How did he value sympathy based on his own teaching In in Acts 28 and... Verse 15, he says, and the brothers there in in some other place, when they heard about us, when they heard about all the trouble that we were having, all of our persecutions, all, of us being in chains, of, 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 of us having great difficulty, when they heard about us, when, when those brothers heard, they came as far as the forum of, of Appius and and three taverns to meet us on seeing them. Luke says that Paul thanked God and took courage that was precious to him, that someone would come, that someone would enter in, that someone would care, that someone w- would be so sympathetic that they would come, that they would be present. And, and, and it caused two things in Paul's heart. It caused him to praise God he thanks God for it, and he took courage. You have this power. I'm going to come back to it. You have this power to do what was done to Paul, to cause somebody to thank God for your entering in, for your coming, for your care, for your sympathy, that will make a person thank God give them courage. What power you have. You have this power. Praise God for it. What else then? Well, in what else is Paul's testimony in in uh, in Second Corinthians seven uh, uh, verses six and seven? He says this. But God, but God who comforts the downcast. He's speaking of his own experience. He's speaking what he has observed in in others. He starts with God. God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. How did he do it? He comforted us. God comforted us, he says, by the coming of Titus. Titus came. Titus was powerful in coming. He came and and he gave Paul this testimony. God comforts me. Because Titus came, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted. Titus had been comforted by somebody else. He was comforted by the Corinthians. He had received comfort, and and he knew he should comfort somebody else. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So I rejoice still more. Look what happened in, in that short passage. Paul identified that God sent something. He traced it to God. He was comforted. Titus showed what power he had without even thinking about it. He, he, he came and he was used of God. Paul traced Titus' is coming to God. And then Titus, because he had received comfort... He had something to share. He had good things to tell Paul about their sympathy towards him, their mourning, their zeal for him. Haven't you been comforted by somebody else? Haven't you received sympathy under some terms at some level? It may be a small level. It could be huge. You've received it. You have the same testimony. You feel this way. You're thankful for this. Oh, oh, what did you learn? You learn. You learn that God uses other people to comfort you in, in, in your losses. God uses other people to increase your joy by, by their rejoicing with you. You've got somebody that you can tell a happy story to, and, and they'll say to you, I am so happy for you. And they'll hug you. They'll kiss you. They'll be so glad for you. You know about all of this. Wow, if you know that that has happened to you, then you also know that you must go and do likewise. You have this power. Every single one of you have a power to bless, to comfort, to cause thanksgiving, to cause someone to rejoice. To cause someone to be encouraged. Let's come back to Jesus then. There's a messianic psalm in Psalm 69. It's about David, but it's about the greater David. Unmistakable. Beginning with verse 19, Psalm 69 says, You know my approach as he speaks to God, and my shame and my dishonor, my foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none for comforters, and I found no one. How did Jesus treasure and long for? Sympathy. He wanted it. He was looking for it. He was hoping for it. Matthew twenty six thirty one says, Jesus' words, he says, you will all fall away. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered he had the person that deserved the most pity the most compassion the most feeling the most entering in the most help the most kind words the most encouragement the one who deserved the most love the most compassion the most resonating hearts all around him he got nothing he didn't get it he wanted it, but part of his suffering was to go without it and not to have it. But did his sympathy leave him? Was he because he didn't get it and he longed for it, he looked for it, he wanted it, but he found no one? Was his react, What was his reaction? What did he do? He was still sympathetic himself. Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Sympathy for his persecutors. He looked down to his mother and he told John, Behold your mother. He cared for his mother. When he was bleeding and covered with spittle and tears, heaving in pain and anguish, a thief, a thief who had committed murder, a thief, a habitual habitual criminal turns to him and says, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did he say, I don't have time for this? Can't you see I'm bearing the world's sin? What did he say? Sympathy flowed out of the Savior. You, We've got to be like him. He says, this day you will be with me in paradise. I hate you. In his death, he entered in. To the sinful, despicable, degraded, corrupted, filthy, stinking, polluted, depraved lives of every one of his people. He's the only one that could pay for our sins, dear people. There is no other story that will do it. I hope that resonates with your heart and with your conscience. You can't look anywhere else. There is nobody else but Jesus. He has no real competitor. There is nobody else but the Son of God. That's a, He's all you need. So he, he was sympathetic. And you know that even to this very day, down since he, he got the victory and, and he finished the power of sin for all of his people, And he defeated the devil, even beyond to this very day. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. I love the sermon that I heard on this recently by somebody else, one of our pastors. Why does he say hold fast? He says, For we do not have a high priest. Who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Hallelujah. But one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You never have a reason to delay coming to Christ. Don't come because you've been doing a good job. Come because you know you are a wretch. Come because you know you are a sinner. Come because you know that you are fully and completely justified already. Go to that one. Go to that one who knows all about you. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What do you expect to receive from a sympathetic saver? Mercy. That's what you'll get. Mercy. You'll get grace to help in time of need. Your greatest time of need is when you're tempted to sin. Go to the throne. Don't go anywhere else. Go to the throne. And, and ask for help and receive the mercy, receive the grace. Well, here's the application then. Okay, here's the application. I have to say, well, now what for the family? This is our family. And if if if, if this message has touched you in 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 the slightest way, I I hope these things will resonate with you. We want to become an HBC family which is, is, is more frequently, more consistently, more persistently exercising the power that I told you you have. It comes in at least three categories where you can do this. I don't want to disappoint you. I want, I'm going to say this, though, because you have the power It's a weakness. It's an identifiable weakness at HBC, as strong as our church is and as vital as it is and and so many things of praiseworthy, all to God, all traceable to God. But this is an area of some noticeable, identifiable weakness. But take courage right away. Take courage. You may not have known that you had this power as, as you found out tonight, I'm not saying I've done some great job. I'm just reminding you, you have this. You can do this. And and this weakness can be obliterated very, very quickly. It, it can be. In the life experiences of your family, you must think of your family more than the family that lives in, in your house or, or those who are related to you by blood. Why do people write, dear HBC family? Why do people say, my dear family, on, 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 on email, on HBC News? Because we are a family. We're a family together. And families need to share things together. I'm not talking about an exhaustive way. I'm not calling on everyone to do exactly the same thing. I'm making every allowance for, 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 for other things that, that are priorities in your life. But everybody here everybody here, has a measure of power that they've not been using the way they could. And, and I'm the first one to say, that's me. I can do more. I can do better. I have this power. And, and, and I want to exercise it. In the life experiences of Harry's Baptist Church, there are, there's this category. It's the category of events. And circumstances and one-time special experiences, which we can enter into each other's lives and, which, and, and, and we can care about one another. The second category, not in, in, in any particular order, just as they occurred to me, the chronic difficulties of, of some of our family members. Chronic means they are continual they 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 probably will not go away it's hard to get them to go away it's something that they've had for a long time it could be sickness it could be a circumstance it could be relational it could be things like that the third category are the recurring opportunities for participation and in involvement and what i'm saying those scheduled things, those events, those meetings, those activities, the spontaneous ones that you hear about over HBC News, or by word of mouth, or by Facebook, or other social networking. There's that category. I want to tell you something, though. You can, you can do it. You can do it. I think one time um, when I was preaching, you were worried about my shoulder, because I had it in, in a sling. And we have some visitors. I've got a separated shoulder. I would show it to you. There's a huge bump here. It's it's a bone. But if 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 you follow your physical therapist, number one, your physical therapist is the Holy Spirit. All you have to do in in order to get better is obey him. Obey the Holy Spirit. Number two, all you have to do is plan. Take the time to do it. Number three, all you have to do is deny yourself. Negate yourself. Let your time be taken up by somebody else. Number four, believe in the result. Get the vision of the result that you can do it. You'll see it. Others will thank God. They will be encouraged. They will thank God for you. They will be comforted. You will increase their joy. You'll be doing all these things. This is okay with Nathan Ladd. Don't worry about it. Because this is so analogous to exerting ourselves and regaining the strength, he's going to get bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier. That's what he told me. But can you believe that the guy who who was afraid to even move his shoulder, you can do this spiritually. I'm not, he's only five pounds, so, you know, I think a girl can do this, okay? <laughs> don't, don't be impressed, all right? But I want to stick that in 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 your mind, because most of you know that you wouldn't dream when when I was walking around like this and all I did was this. You were worried about me, but I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. You you, you have to do it very slowly. See, <laughs> not because you can't do it fast, but it's so analogous to what we need to do. Do it slowly. Get started. Control it as as you do. Don't go like this because you're not doing much. But, but that's what you have to do spiritually. And you can do it. You have the power to do it through obedience. And obedience is a good thing. An, an obedient child is admired. An obedient child is praised. That's, that's what God, that's how God feels about us. But plan on it. Do it intentionally. Purpose to do it. Make a choice. Cooperate with the providence that's coming your way. Deny yourself. Make some sacrifice. As much as I like the therapy, I like doing it with Nathan. I hate doing it all by myself twice a day for the hamstring and all. And there's a whole bunch of, there's a plethora of exercises that I have to do. But I want the result. You want the results. You want to glorify God by exercising the power that you have, and you'll get those results. But what are the events, circumstances, and one-time special experiences? I'll just give you the list. The showers, the baby showers and the wedding showers, the funerals, the funeral home, the wedding. There's, there's things that are sorrowful. There are things that are joyful. Use the power that you have to bless others by just showing up, by just coming. And you know that when, when you're in that position, when you've been in that position and somebody comes and you go, wow, great, she loves me. He loves me. This is wonderful. Do that. The chronic difficulties of family members, we've got the elderly, We've got the solo moms. We've got the shut-ins. We've got the sick. Pick something. Do something. Use your power. You've got power just by your presence, by your going. You've got it. You've got to use it. The recurring opportunities for involvement. I just want to get real practical with, with my family, our family. The prayer meetings, the care groups. HBC News. You get information on HBC News, and the address is right there. You want to bless your brother. You want to bless your sister who's asking for prayer. You can click right on their address, and you can say, I'm praying for you. Do it with texting. Do it with Twitter. Do it with Facebook. Do it with whatever you got, but you can do it all the time. Once in a while, it happens with some frequency, people click reply when they want to say something to somebody else. And if you click reply, what happens when you do that? Comes back to me. And sometimes I'm a little irritated with it, but at the same time, let me tell you, Derek, at at the same time I go, Praise God. He's trying to reach out to somebody else. I'm happy to forward that. And let him know that I forwarded. He's not the main offender. You're not. Somebody else here knows they are. <laughs> <laughs> But there, there, but, but, but there are practical things. I, I, I hope you are, are purposing, in. Your heart. To do the thing that Jesus counted so precious, that Paul testified, psychologically and physiologically about, and he testified of what it did to him. You have the power to bless. Jesus is our example. You can do it. You must do it. Paul's clear teaching by the Holy Spirit showed you how he was blessed in it. And you have felt it for yourself. Go and do likewise for others and bless them. And and since it's Father's Day, I'll just close with this. Dads, dads, lead the way. Lead the way send your wife where give your wife liberty to do what she wants to do in serving others and wise send your husband out tell him you need to go down to that funeral home we should go to that wedding baby i want you to go to that shower i i don't stay home from care group do those things well May the Holy Spirit bless this simple, weak message to our hearts, and may we be transformed. I want to be transformed, too. And let's be like Jesus. Let's walk in his steps, who didn't get it, but always wanted to give it. You remember what Pastor Mark said? He said, uh, Jesus was carrying a semi-truck on his back. He's just asking us to pick up a few duffel bags. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please, please help us to be more sympathetic as we have never been before.